So this morning, I want us to talk about relationships. When I say relationships, I mean any and every relationship you have in life. People you meet, people you begin to date, people you ultimately may marry, uh, family members, friends, any relationships. Now in the real world, the world we live in, there's really two lines of thought. Uh, one is every relationship that you have happens by chance. Where you're born, who you meet, who you begin relationships with as friends, boyfriends, girlfriends, who you marry, all of that happens by chance. And there's no destiny to it. There's no rhyme or reason. It's pretty much just pure luck and that we're just a bunch of people roaming around, bumping into each other, and our relationships happen by chance. Uh, a lot of this uh, line of thinking comes from reason or rationality or science. To be quite honest, a lot of doctors think this way. Um, not trying to offend any of you doctors out there. Uh, Y'all know that my favorite TV show is the series Lost, although it's off the air. And my favorite character on that show, this is what he believed, that nothing happened by faith, that everything was by chance, and that was it. Now, another line of thinking is that your relationships happen by destiny. There is a reason behind them. There's a higher power that's drawing us together, that's leading you to other people. We see this a lot in romantic movies, romantic books, that there is faith, that there is destiny. They call this soulmate. Uh, you've probably heard this. you probably maybe like those types of movies or books, but it is a fate. It is a destiny. There is a higher power that connects us, and this may be a friend, this may be a boyfriend or girlfriend, or this may be a husband or wife, but no relationships happen by chance, and there is a destiny behind them. There's a movie that, uh, that I love. Probably uh, some of you haven't seen it. It was in the 90s. Um, and I'll go ahead and tell you, it is really cheesy, but uh, I used to like it. It's called Before Sunrise. And the premise of this movie is there was a guy who was backpacking across Europe, and he randomly bumps into this girl on a train, a French girl, and then they spend the day and an evening in Vienna talking. And they began talking about, you know, how this was not by chance, but it was a destiny. And, of course, they fell in love, but then by the end of the movie, they leave and it leaves you to wonder, should they have left? Should they have been together? Um, and I'm not telling you anything that you wouldn't know reading a critique of it, so I'm not spoiling anything. But a lot of our culture, and again, in, in film and in books, they make us think that there is a destiny, there is a fate. And a lot of us believe that or can believe that, but, but it's faith in what? I mean, what are we believing in? What type of faith? What type of destiny? What type of God? Now let me say this. I believe in neither of those two. I don't believe everything just happens by chance, and I don't believe in some type of vague destiny. Okay? I believe there's a third way. I believe that God is directing our steps, that the relationships we have, we are supposed to have, that it is not mere chance, but it's something much more important and something much greater than destiny. So all relationships that we have, whether they're good or whether they're bad, 
God has put these relationships in our life and that we can learn from them. And if we have Christ in our life, I believe that every relationship we have, God is leading people in our life so that we can be a witness for Christ to this person in some form or fashion, whether with our actions, whether with our words. But if we have Christ in us, then there is no chance encounter, there is no chance relationship, and we can give witness to Christ. And then if you don't have Christ in your life, then you still have no chance encounters, and there's still no relationships that happen by chance. So if you don't have Christ in your life, you may need to be thinking, what is God trying to tell me with the relationships that I have? And you need to have an open heart that somebody out there may be leading you to Christ. So, the premise of this message today is that there are no chance encounters. Your relationships don't happen by chance, but there is something much greater than just a vague fate or vague destiny that is going on. God is directing our steps, leading us to relationships, and if we have Christ in our life, then those relationships we have, we need to see how we can witness for Christ. And if we don't, I believe that God is leading others who know Christ into your life to speak into it. Now, all of this ties into the series that I've been on called Alternate Reality, Life by the Holy Spirit. Because the honest truth is, if we live by the Holy Spirit, we live in a different reality. It is a different world. The Holy Spirit is guiding us. Christ is guiding us, and it is not the world we live in. So there is no chance encounter. There are no chance relationships. And again, God is leading people to you and leading you to others so that you can be a witness to Christ. So I hope to show you this, and I hope you'll see this in Scripture. We're going to be in the book of Acts today. And I believe that as there are no chance encounters, I believe that God is directing our steps and that you can help guide other people, you can help heal other people, and ultimately through the power of Christ, we can help save other people. So guide, heal, and save. I want to show you this in Scripture. The first passage is Acts chapter 8. I'm going to read verse 26 through verse 38, if you'll follow with me in your Bible. Acts 8 Verse 26, we begin. It says, An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he got up and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the scripture said to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, Well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shears is silent. So he does not open his mouth. In humiliation his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, who is this uh, prophet talking about? Is it of himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from Scripture, he preached Jesus to him. As they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? 
And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down to the water, Philip as well as eunuch, and he baptized him. Now the first person we have in this passage is Philip. Philip is a disciple of Christ, led by the Holy Spirit. Christ is leading him. So he goes to this Ethiopian. And actually this person is probably not from Ethiopia, probably somewhere in North Africa. But he is a man of property and prominence. He is a handles the finances of, of queens, important people. So he is very well established, very well off. And he is here going to Jerusalem, trying to grow his spiritual life. And, and then he's looking into this, the word of the prophet Isaiah and he's saying, I don't understand. I don't understand so the Ethiopian was reading from the prophet Isaiah and he wanted to understand. He had to, he had to have someone help guide him to these new words and this new scripture and this new faith that he was beginning to learn. And let me say this, I believe now we live in a generation that is seeking so much. They're seeking God, they're seeking spiritual life, and they need people to help guide them. What I want to say to us as the church is when are we going to start helping guide people? Because there are people who are coming to an understanding of Christ or maybe they have a, just a general and vague idea of God and they are asking for, hey, someone help guide me. And you out there, you know people, some of them are here and some of them, maybe they're new Christians or maybe they don't have Christ in their life or maybe they just have a general understanding of God, and you can help guide them. And what I want to say is, when are we going to start? Because I believe we live in a world that is, is so honestly politically correct, and so, hey, I want to respect your space, that no one wants to speak into people's life and help guide them to know Christ, to know His peace, His healing, faith in Him. And so for us, when are we going to begin helping to guide someone? How do you help God? Well, first you help through your life, through your actions, by people seeing you and how you live your life. And so your life can be a guide in and of itself. But also we have to speak. It says here in Scripture that Philip opened his mouth and he preached Jesus to him. So again, we can't be fearful of what everybody's going to think and we have to open our mouth and help guide people to know Christ. Story I, I was told of a, uh, a young pastor, actually a Presbyterian pastor, and he had a, uh, a lady at his church that she was a, uh, a great leader in the church, but her husband did not go to church. And so he got to know the lady, and finally he said, I'm just going to go and I'm going to witness to her husband. So he scheduled an appointment, and uh, this gentleman was a successful businessman, and he came up into his office and he said, listen, I've gotten to know your wife, and she's such a, a lovely lady, and i just come to think so highly of her, and really want you to start coming to church. And he essentially laid out the gospel, that there was sin in his life, that Jesus had come to save him, that nothing else in the world could save him as Jesus did, could. And so he went through a simple and clear 
telling of the gospel as he could to this man. And afterwards, the man sat there and was completely silent. And so, of course, the, the young pastor was thinking, oh, man, I've just blown it now. What is he thinking? So then he just went on and, and told him again and said, God loves you. That's why he sent Jesus to save you completely, to give you healing from your past, to, to bring you peace in your life. And he stopped, and again, there was just stone silence. The man didn't say anything. So then he went one last time, and he said, and listen, you, you can have life for eternity, and you can live forever in heaven, and you can have a new type of marriage and a new type of relationships, and Christ can enter and change your life. And after this, again, there was silence. Then finally, the man took a, a brief notepad, wrote something, and passed it to the man. And it said on there, he had written, I am so moved, I have no words. So I say to you, there are people that we know who need help, who need guidance. And there are those of you out there who can help guide. When are you going to start? God can use you to guide. God, God can also use you to heal. Another passage in Acts. This is in Acts 9. Acts 9 verse 10 through 17, if you'll read with me, it says, There was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying there. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And after laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you are coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Many of you, you know Paul, and you know about Paul. You don't know as much about Ananias. But here he is, and he played a crucial role in helping to heal Paul and bring healing to the church. How did that happen? Well, the Lord called on Ananias, and he had a relationship with him. <clears throat> and he said, what, Lord? And God said, I want you to go to this guy, Paul. And Ananias pushed back, and he said, God, listen, I, I'd love to follow and do what you're saying, but this guy has killed Christians. This guy has persecuted the church. I mean, you know, I don't really know if I can do this. And God is saying, Go. He is a chosen instrument of mine. And so Ananias went. And Ananias brought healing to Paul. And when I say healing, Paul had just experienced this profound conversion. And he didn't know what was going on. And Ananias came and helped bring healing into Paul's life so that he would know that there's a God that was calling him and a God that would be using him and a Holy Spirit that would enter into his life. And then you have to imagine that 
Ananias was used to help bring healing to the church because the church probably had the same response that he did. There's in this guy, Paul, who's been persecuting us, who's been throwing us in jail, who's been standing watch as Christians got stoned. So Ananias was used by God to bring healing between Paul and between members of the church. And so for us today, for you here, there are those of you here that can bring healing into relationships. Maybe you have two Christian friends who are at odds. Maybe there's someone who has experienced new life and conversion, and you can bring healing from his past. But what I would say to you is, when again are you going to start? You know people. You have relationships that need healing. God can use you as a healing instrument. When will you start? God can use you to guide. God can use you to heal. And he can also use you to help save the life of a person. One last passage is in Acts chapter 16, verse 11 through 15. <clears throat> it says, Putting out to sea from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and on the day following to Neapolis, from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. And we, and this is Paul and Luke, were staying in this city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to a river where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer. We sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled. A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So at this point, Paul has become Paul. He's a great disciple, a great missionary. He's starting churches. He's followed God to this place, led by the Spirit. And he goes by this riverside, Scripture says, and it says they thought it would be a place of prayer. And he gets there, and then all these women come. And you know what Paul could have said? He said, hey, you're interrupting my quiet time. Hey, you're interrupting this devotional time that I have with God. But he believed that there are no chance encounters, and that these women had come for a reason. And so he began telling them about Christ. And the same could be for you. Sometimes you may be in your own quiet time, or prayer time, or devotion time, and maybe your husband comes in, or your wife comes in, or kids come in, and you're like, hey, you're interrupting this special time with God, but maybe he or she is there for a reason. And maybe you should use that time to speak into their life. So here we have this, these women, and specifically Lydia. And Lydia was a businesswoman. Apparently very astute, very successful. It says a seller of purple fabrics. And then it also says, and I want you to get this, I really hope you'll get this, that she was a worshiper of God. She was a worshiper of God, but yet she did not know Christ. I want to say that again. I really need you to get this. She was successful in her business, and she was a worshiper of God, yet she did not know Christ. There are so many people who are like this in our world. 
they're successful, and let's say they worship God, as in maybe it's a broad, vague God, or maybe it's a God of a different religion, but it's not the God that's in Jesus Christ. And so Paul was used by God to help save her, to help bring her to knowledge of Christ, and Scripture said, the Holy Spirit opened her heart, and she came to know Jesus. So for you out there, you know people maybe who are successful in their field or successful in business, and maybe they worship God. Maybe they go to church once a year and think that's a relationship with Christ. It is not. And you can help them come to know Christ, and you can be literally used by God as an instrument to save people's souls, people's lives. There are no chance encounters. The relationships you have, God brought them into your life for a reason. If you have Christ in your life, then the relationships you have, God put there so that you could speak into them, you could help guide them, you could help heal them, or you might be able to help save them. And if you don't know Christ, again, what is God trying to say to you through relationships you have? Maybe there are people who could help guide you, who could help heal you, who could help save you. God has a great plan. If you look at these relationships, the Ethiopian, God used this man to bring the gospel to North Africa. Paul, he became Paul and helped spread the gospel throughout the Middle East and Europe. And then Lydia, that passage said she opened her home to them, and then she began to help start the church in Philippi. There are no chance encounters. And if you are living in Christ, I hope you see your relationships in a different light. And I hope you see how you can bring guidance, how you can bring healing, how you can help bring salvation to other people's lives. I hope you'll see your life and your relationships in a different reality. I hope you'll see that there are no chance encounters, and I hope you'll respond. I hope you'll be like Lydia, that the Holy Spirit moved in her heart, and she responded. Hope you'll respond. And when you respond, I believe you can help guide people to Christ, heal people for Christ, and bring salvation in Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these that are here. Lord, I hope, ask and pray that they will know that there are no chance encounters, there are no chance relationships, and that you brought people in their lives for a purpose, for a reason, and that they will see that and they will respond. Lord, I pray for those that are here that don't know you, and I pray that they would take this time to respond because your Holy Spirit is working on their heart, your Holy Spirit is calling them now, and I pray that, dear Lord, I pray that they would simply respond to the power of your Holy Spirit and to salvation in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.